Andre Kylik, I can't tell you how happy I am to be up here on stage with you. We've been watching you and just looking forward to your finish really ever since day one. Uh, it is so exciting to have you up here, one of the most spectacular finishes, and there is no exaggeration there at all in Ram history. Incredible what you just did. Thanks. I mean, it took a while and um, and coming up with the, the, the sort of dream to come do Ram and actually and just getting qualified and, and getting there. So for me, that was uh, the biggest part of it was just sticking with it and, and uh, being determined to figure out how I was going to, you know, come up with solutions to all the different aspects of it, you know, from, from physically being out there doing it to funding it to um, getting the team uh, that I would need uh, to do it. So it's... It was really extremely rewarding just to make the, the start, and uh, you know I think anybody who who has you know they realize you know what what that takes and and how many people that takes uh, to come together to do it. So um, you know I definitely feel lucky to have had the opportunity to even try to do this. Um, that that in itself is something that a lot of people who who could do RAM don't don't get. So. I feel fortunate um, in that. And that's, I want to talk about that some because, you know, I see a number of racers at the end of a 500-mile race or even at the end of Raw that uh, they just look completely trashed and they're just like, I can't wait to go to the start of Ram. <laughs> um, tell us some about the, the trials you went through in qualifying for Ram and, and just getting to the point where you could enter uh, and what made you decide to go ahead and take that step? Uh, I, I started racing, um, I had a train accident back in 2003, and um, I didn't start racing until uh, 2011 or so, and uh, yeah, my starting point was, you know, I went and did a tra uh, Challenge Athletes Foundation, um, yeah, charity triathlon in San Diego, and a year later I was doing Kona, and so it was just something that I enjoyed, liked, got into, and, and you know, was online like, yeah, what's next, you know, and um, so from there, I started doing some ultras, and it was just uh, hearing from other people what they were doing, and it sounded cool, and um, I, a lot of the times it was because someone hadn't done it in a wheelchair, and it wasn't so much that um, I needed to be the first, but I wanted to go like, figure something out. That's a big part of the, the enjoyment of the challenge um, to me. So um, the, that progression was was uh, so fast that when I when I decided Ram was, was next I just uh, thought okay, I'd heard of this race, and, you know, Carlos Meleda a um, friend of mine was one of the first on the 8 man team to do it mm -hmm. in hand cycles and so I figured I would just train up like I did for everything else and um, figure out how you have to qualify and go do it and that was and that was my plan <laughs> so I went down to, I mean this is listen to this, I went down to SoCal 400 the first you know, greater than 170 mile bike race that I'd ever done uh, uh, May, what is it beginning of May, May 8th and I was planning to do Ram to, you know, June 16th 2015, like a month later a month and a week later <laughs> so um, that wasn't going to work and you know that that's that's what's awesome I think about uh, this race and, and sort of ultra cycling um, you can you can get by on on you know, very little training knowledge and uh, even equipment for a, a lot of um, endurance sports. And 
um, I don't, there's no easy way to just jump out and, and do this. You know, you have to you have to you have to fight a lot of the things that I am I'm not terribly good at. So you know, planning, organizing, um, uh, patience. So that first trial. That's actually, why we have crew chiefs. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I so the first the first attempts ended about 28 hours in. Um, you know, 32 right to to make the finish line. And I had, uh, you know, no experience with ever, ever quitting a race. Just sort of, yeah, I go out there and I keep going and then finish, and it's great. So uh, for this particular one, we'd cross back over the mountains. The profile's all downhill, you know, it's 60, 60 miles left. And um, got to the bottom of a short descent and saw my van going up a hill. I was in pain. I was tired. Pulled over to the side of the road. I fell asleep for a quick bit, and then it's like, I'm done. I don't care. I don't want to. I don't need more five more hours of this um so that was a, a great insight to like you quitting does happen you do ride that ridge line where you can fall down either side and you almost have no control over which which side it is and seeing that my crew was were the only people in the position to help me you know nobody else is going to help me finish i i was over it um and and realizing that i had to find a team that i could sort of put um that on that responsibility um so during that race i was i, I kind of didn't didn't enjoy it that much and thought yeah i don't need to put myself through this stuff i'm, I'm i don't want to do longer races um but right immediately after you know on the plane ride home i was already thinking all right how can i do this you know how can i <laughs> how can i figure it out and it wasn't that i wanted to so much um uh go physically put myself through that it was that all right you, you started with this idea I, I need to follow through you know there's like certain things like this at least that that really pulls me a lot of other things in life are just a fight and so I didn't want to give up on the one thing that that you know really um you know sucked me in for the for the ride so I tried a couple others I went to Borrego for the 24 hour um, the first time I think I was right around uh 358 miles uh, 360 something I, I don't actually remember um, so I was well short but I had, my only goal for that race was to ride my bike for 24 hours you know knock mm-hmm. it off and, and I did that and um, and then I, I tried another time at, at Borrego there's big gaps in between because I was always um, trying to focus on other things in life and didn't have the money to, to race um, uh, you know didn't feel like I was in the in a position to put that much effort into it, but so I'd kind of limp along and try another race and another race. So the last um, August, I was riding with some guys in the Bay Area, and one of them just, you know, was like, "Hey, I want to help you fund Ram," and I've got some cyclist friends, you know, and, um, that that can help. And so that's when I I thought, okay, the, the money is there. I want to do this. Um, sort of in in age and, and all of that. This is a chance to just like make it happen put put my efforts into it and give it a go um so i i really trained up had a different approach showed up in borrego sort of ready to to nail the 400 uh, mile number and uh, about 4 a.m uh i was well on pace and and just out of nowhere my frame snapped clean in half no way and, i mean nothing happened just just cranking and and just hit dirt and the neck sort of just below the drivetrain right here, just clean, clean in half. And uh, so, wow. 
I don't know, you know that area, like it's not very densely populated, uh, 16, 16 miles in, but anybody, uh, anybody awake heard me cursing because I was really pissed off. Um, so I didn't, I didn't hit the target. I kind of, I got a ride in and on a backup bike and just kind of played around. Um, and I talked to Fred at Great Lake after that race and just said, you know, I've been working with, you know, so-and-so. I've been talking to everybody I possibly can for the last two years to figure out um, the things I need to know to, to go try Ram. Um, you know, what, is there some some other race? You know, 24 hours not great for me. The, the, the problem is that um, the speed is, is just too high. Mm-hmm. And I think my percentage of uh, sort of max speed, I'm, high, I'm closer to that than I think a cyclist during those races. Um, it's also not a great simulation of, of RAM, right? You don't have a crew out there with you, um, a van with backup bikes and all of that. So so we, we talked about um, getting my crew together, go doing the SoCal 400 course, and if that would be acceptable um, to, to qualify. So I went and did that in January with Matt. Of this year? Of this year. And, I mean, we, we just smoothed it. It was super simple, super easy. That's where I got to work with Matt for the first time, and and, and that's how I wanted the race to be. You know, it was... It was um, very clean, still fun. And the one of the Toronto's, you know, for the first time, and I was like, "Well, this changes everything. <laughs> I can bullshit my way from start to finish line of every race, just having a, a fun and call them up for drinks when I need it." Um, so yeah, I mean, it came together pretty quickly, and I mean, a lot of the the reason that um, that we're here today and not yesterday um, is because it was pretty quick you know thrown together and had a lot of, of bike issues a lot of mechanicals you know a lot of things that um again you know a naive andre walked out there to, to go and do and um you know the crew did an awesome job of adapting as needed um, matt had his game plan for kind of we talked and what what i had done in the past with racing and, and how he did ram and um what i had been been um advised by other people and kind of came up with what was what was the best and i mean for the most part we, we stuck with that from start to finish we made the adjustments that we had kind of knew were things that we'd move around when to sleep um but it was it was a good it was a good twirl out there now i've never been in a hand cycle um so just looking at this i do have a couple of questions i do want to talk to you some about the race as well but um it looks to me like you, to get to your brake, have to lean way forward over your chain ring and your chain. Yeah. Uh, especially when you're getting sleepy, that looks like it could be kind of scary because your face is really close to that chain ring. I never thought about that. <laughs> <laughs> we did. We did place. I'll shut up then. <laughs> we did place a, a new water ball rack right there on the um, headset uh-huh. bolt, and. Um, so that's a great place to lean against or fall asleep against um, your water bottle slots in there. Um, but I mean, the best thing about having a chain ring right there is any any issue. I mean, you you don't you don't stop. You just keep rolling, and you can problem solve and fix, it, fix it as you go. Um, which which I did a lot. I started with another fork, and I was running disc brakes. Um, I have Campy, their EPS electronic, and then um, I had some issues and switched back to this but uh, I think probably the disc brakes are the biggest for a hand cycle <clears throat> you know because I think 
you liked them? It's I think it's more similar to a car than than a regular bike would be, right? You can't just grab front right. brake on a bike, um, but on a car, that's the biggest, strongest brake you have. Um, and on this, you can. That's the only brake I have, but it's also just the way the weight is all low and behind that, you can you can pull that brake as hard as you want. So just having something that has power, um, you know, modulates nice. My descending was that is the first time I enjoyed it. You know, especially it long, long, you know, eight mile or whatever descents. And at what point did you have to to get away from the disc wheel and go with a different fork? Uh, that finally conked out. Uh, I don't know where. Yeah, it was Ohio during the storm. Okay, so you were able to get through the Rockies and the really big long descents, but you didn't have it for the Appalachians. Correct, correct. And then, and then all I could think about was how much I hated my brakes. <laughs> so, uh, but th- th- you got used to it again, and, and it wasn't it wasn't too big a deal. Now with RAM, it's just uh, if one little thing starts to go wrong, you develop a pain or an ache somewhere, and you start to try to. Uh, Oh, move to a different spot, or um, then you start putting pressure on other parts of your body, and you don't have a whole lot of places to move in that bike. So, how were you able to deal with the the compilation of problems that build throughout the event? Uh, When I did the um, qualifier SoCal, um, and Matt was there, and he's able to look me over after, and and we talked during the race, you know, head to toe, what's bothering you monitored that during the race and then it was like skin evaluation after yeah and there was there was some huge warning signs that um that he you know he made a list and he's like solve these um they they have to be solved and um you know again with the idea that if you do a 24-hour race and you've got a big wound on your on your hip okay big deal it's gonna heal right Um, but if you start if you start you know 12 days that way or even on the fifth day you have a problem of course that's just gonna get worse um, so I, I went home and prototyped and came up with um, yes, yeah, so sort of a, a way to handle each each issue. Um, it, sort of this hip problem I had had, I, I kept trying to make different um, pads that would work. A harder problem to solve than I thought, and you know, by now twelve days in, both hips are are really badly bruised. Um, just maybe the smallest kind of wound, uh, but they they fared really well. And, yeah, chamois cream and, and foam pads. That's yeah, that was my first thought with skin wounds. It was wow, yeah. that's impressive. Um, and I'm kind of sleeping myself. So, um, hang on one sec. Your hands with breaking, uh, we get a lot of hand numbness, and I'm just thinking of your arms and the repetitive motion there through that. But then you also have to use your brakes and shift gears with your hands. Any issues at all? Yeah, they. Um, I'm pretty used to it, so I've done some off-road like wheelchair races, and the hands just get thrashed there because there you're working with, you know, a, a rim with grip, and you're and you're pushing on that and breaking with friction. Um, so my hands have been destroyed in in the past, and and this seems um, a little mild by comparison. Oh, did. <laughs> um, but I I did uh, I did immediately develop. Which is which was surprising so quickly, sort of sort of tendonitis or whatever wrists were um, in a lot of pain. You know, so we started with braces and then tapes, and we ended up taping them every day from from then on. And that actually got better after five or six days. You know, where they were pretty much throbbing all day every day, to where they um, it was just kind of background noise. And you know, my fingers have 
you know, are all numb completely. Yeah. Um, that's happened before with one or two, and you know, some of them won't won't um, won't uh, go. They won't go straight. So we had to cut some fingers off gloves just to just to get them on because people would spend so much time in the glove trying to like straighten this pinky out and then get it in the hole and then put the glove on. Um, so there's little little things along the way that we had to mess with. Um, but but these grips are smooth, they're fairly comfortable, and by the end of it, they feel like, I mean, these images of weird metal um, sharp objects were in my mind the whole time because it just, it's strange. A little scratch in the paint, you know, after time just becomes becomes pretty painful. Um, but yeah, hands and arms, I mean, the you know, what you see cyclists out there doing with their feet, um, have to go through go through the hands. Yeah, exactly. Um, talk a little bit about your race. Uh, did you feel like you were out there racing the whole time, or was it ever just kind of a riding across the country? How did you stay competitive? Uh, early on, it felt more more like a race. I'd say because I saw more people, um, and I think at, at some point, I don't know, was four days in or so. It was like tenth, yeah, something which was pretty surprising. Um, someone, someone who's who's DNF and and uh, Ram told me that that uh, there's just a lot of personal things going on in, in in his life, and he said he knew in the first maybe 200 miles that he wasn't going to finish. I think it took him you know, five six days. Mm-hmm. Um, that's happened sort of in, in that SoCal race for me, where early on there's sort of just some. Some issues, you know, that was, that was going over in my head. Um, so I, I really wanted to start with full conviction that I was ready. Um, that anything that came up, you know, like new directions in life or whatever, that those were going to be great, um, uh, great explorations and maybe some some uh, interesting um, choices made. But but we're we're still going to do the race, and we, then we could, you know go into that and, and changes that, that I wanted to make. So um, it started with the concept that I was out there riding my bike uh, all day, every day, and the end wasn't important. This was, this was my life now on the bike. It took a while to get into it because um, one of the things I, I, even in starting the race, didn't fully understand is just how, how into it you are. I mean, it's... Uh, I had a mechanical and I got in the van at a gas station and I just sat there and, and looked around and I was like this is the first time you know in four days that there's been any reality that wasn't you're on the bike you're right. getting ready you know they're getting you ready for your 90 minutes in the back of the van or they're waking you up from that and getting you ready for the bike and uh, that's pretty challenging to commit to for that many days so that was by far the biggest challenge for me mentally to get in there and say, oh, it's day two, do 10 more, uh, you know, there's 10 more times. This day is, um, is just too too heavy. It's too heavy to handle. Um, but just, okay, made it today, so tomorrow you will as well. And you've been doing it for two days now, so the third, it'll be fine. And, and then finally it just became reality and it was, it was great. Attitude in the Appalachians, uh, really tough climbs here at the end. It's the most difficult as far as foot, uh, foot per mile of climb on the course. 
Uh, but then your speed really picked up when you came out of the mountains. You got a fast last day. I, uh, I, I can't say much about it. I don't remember <laughs> just yet what was going on uh, when. They kind of map map it all uh, map it all out. Um, there's for a few series um, during the race where I thought I was behind and wasn't gonna to finish. You know, going into Durango was one. That day in Utah was really hot, and there's there are some kind of steep, you know, short but steep, Valley yeah, stuff. some steep climbs. Um, and then I just started looking, thinking about the clock, and I was like, oh my god, like we're like, we're doing pretty well. Everything's going well, and we're not going to make the the cut in, in Durango. Um, so I got really just down about that, and, and kind of even slowed off more. And then thanks, uh, and for whatever reason, then I just got it in my head, like, okay, there's you know these two a five mile climb, a seven mile climb to kind of get to Durango, and um, I'm just going to ride those hard. And so I just ripped them, got in, or an hour before sort of the cut there, and that's when I, I sort of realized, like, hey, you bounce back pretty well. Um, you can ride as hard as you want during a race where you're not supposed to and and you'll come back you know just your crew will get you what you need you know whether it's sugar caffeine um some tough love or whatever and just be patient and i I kept waking up in the mornings uh maybe not feeling great but like after creaking away on the bike for 10 minutes you know which matt every morning was like all right get on the bike we're gonna roll just do nothing just 10 minutes let's go and then we'll start riding and at the end of that 10 minutes every day is just ready ready to go um so those moments would come and probably um where you saw my speed picking up was yeah just just waiting and and then feeling good and maybe and probably a downwind (laughs) a tailwind also which we did get um some nice ones wherever that was again i thought the process for a while we're very alert for a finish line interview, and I want to thank you very much for taking the time to chat with us. I look forward to talking with you in a lot more detail down the road, but uh, can't congratulate you enough on an incredible performance. Thank you. Thanks, Andre. ACAST powers some of the world's best podcasts. Here's a show we recommend. I'm Meredith Masony. And I'm Tiffany Jenkins. We're the hosts of Take It or Leave It, a podcast where we discuss all things marriage, motherhood, and everything in between. Join us every week where we sit down and talk about parenting, even though we don't really know what we're talking about. We have guests, we take your calls, and we get weird. Tiffany and I are just like you. We are two struggling moms who have no idea what we're doing. Join us on Take It or Leave It, an advice-ish podcast for parents. A cash recommends.